I'm CJ. And this is Harry Potter Movie Minutes. The podcast where two friends break down the movies of the wizarding world in excruciating detail and obnoxious commentary. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> That's a lot of energy coming in. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I've had a lot of coffee. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of coffee. I could probably use more. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. But let's get into this again. Um, so we're arriving back at the Burroughs. <laughs> How dare you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> How dare you just throw that in my face like that? I had forgotten about it. I had momentarily moved on. Mm, no, I'm going to bring it right back. <laughs> appreciate so it. Okay, so we're arriving at the Burrow. Um, I did, like I said, like this time I kind of really appreciated the polyjuice potion effect because uh, we get Lupin arriving with George with an ear missing. But he arrives as Harry Potter, and as they're walking into the burrow, this is the first time I've noticed that his hair is getting red, and he's getting taller as they're walking yep. in. And then he's George. I'm like, oh, that was smart. That was a smart effect. I was proud. Yeah, I just can't help but, like, my heart breaks here for Molly. Like, this is the manifestation of her greatest fear. Like, we don't see this in the film, but in book five, she tries to take care of a boggart at number 12 Grimmauld Place, mm. and, like, loses it because it keeps turning into members of her family dead on the floor and we learned like oh my god we learned that that's her greatest fear is losing and when you think about the layers of it like both of her brothers Brothers. were killed in the first visiting war uh, like and now one of her sons is like mauled yeah and gideon that's why it's fred and george I just got the saddest goosebumps when, <laughs> when she sees all her family members dead. That's right. That was like her biggest fear that she was keeping to herself. And she remembers she's like, don't tell Arthur about it. Being silly. Yes. I'm like, mm. so, so this like, is something she'll think I can't, can't even take care of a silly boggart. And it's like, yeah. no. It's and then one of her kids he... comes in bloody. Yeah. Oh, God. Molly. Uh, anyway. Molly deserves everything good in the world. Um, so... Molly's the real heroine of these films. I'm sorry. <laughs> The fact that Dumbledore even said in that book, forever your servant to Molly. I'm like, right. This great wizard yeah. recognizes how great she is in her strengths. And I'm going to cry in this closet. right? Because like he like, I, I'm sorry, we're going down this rabbit hole real early. We have not even really started the episode care. here. But, you know, Dumbledore's message over and over and over again is that the most powerful magic in the world is love. And she loves more fiercely than anyone else in these books. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that Dumbledore would revere her in that manner. Can I tell you that I choke up every fucking time I read in four at the end when Harry had never been embraced like this yes! by mother and cries? I every time get choked up. I'm going to choke up now. <laughs> God, it's early. Mom's a goddamn angel. Yeah, she's uh, the best. We love her. So once inside, I said Lupin slams Harry against the fireplace <laughs> to check his identity by screaming, What? creature <laughs> when he explains himself harry's like that's cool a little salt between friends um <laughs> so my question in this moment is did he have this particular question ready or was that just off the dome like <laughs> yeah i will with the violence that he asks it i think he had it pre-planned i feel like he had it pre-planned because how do you how do you think of that in the moment like what specifically would harry know that imposter could not possibly know yeah there could have been a multitude of things that Harry only knows or whatever about your time together or, you know, who taught you how to <laughs> defeat Dementors. Like, that was it. I don't know. It was just, but the violence with which he does it. I, and then you understand. He's like, well, we've been betrayed. I'm like, okay, I get that, but maybe don't take it out on the first person you see. 
but also like it being one-sided is problematic yes like what evidence do we have that lupin isn't an imposter mm-hmm. so like um, yes okay harry answered lupin's question but like lupin didn't answer a question to prove that he is who he said he is correct so then kingsley and hermione arrive and lupin proves himself by repeating the last words dumbledore told them both but again oh but it was but now it's kingsley, kingsley isn't yeah do we know so it's kingsley? we don't know that it's kingsley yeah kingsley could have just said yep those are absolutely the words <laughs> but i yeah, guess these in are the same specific- way that I guess there's specific enough questions to be asked. Uh, that proves it. I don't know. It just feels like a very weird, like the Spider-Man pointing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we no. Nah, all right. So he repeats the last words that Dumbledore told them both. Harry is the best hope we have. Trust him. All right. When did that meeting happen? Don't worry about it. Um, don't worry Bill, about it. Bill and Floor arrive next, followed by Tonks and Ron. Fred and at and this point, we are just done with the questions thing. We're not. We're yeah. not doing this anymore. <laughs> Everybody cool. Cool. Yeah, it's weird that they. Right. Know. We confirmed two people. Everyone else is good. All other fourteen people that are about to arrive, it's it's not a big deal. Correct. Yeah, we give up on that pretty quickly, don't we? Um, Fred and Arthur, are the last ones back, and everybody goes in to check on Fred on George. Sorry, other twin. This moment, like I think I just noticed for the first time that. It's like Fred has a sixth sense moment or a twin sense moment where he takes off. But like Arthur is walking toward the house and saying like they're starting to realize that maybe something is off. But Mm. Fred like bolts Mm. into the house like he knows something's fucked up. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. And that hurts me. It's like, yeah, it's definitely a twin powers moment. This is the saddest episode so far. Sure is. <laughs> You're making me really sad. Um, so hope y'all are doing great. <laughs> I brought my blanket into the closet as a, <laughs> as a comfort blanket. <laughs> anyway, so um, once inside, I did have this note too. I'm like, Molly, and I love Molly. We just said how much we love her. Why have we not mopped up some of this blood, ma'am? I just said, that's my exact note. I was like, why is Molly not doing anything but petting him? Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> I was like, okay, but the initial shock would have worn off now and he would have gone you know you clean everything molly <laughs> like go clean up his son's face oh and we've talked about this before actually i think this happens at the beginning of this book where harry cuts himself and he realizes that he never like learned how to heal a cut on his hand yeah, yeah. and even if he knew how to do it he couldn't do it because he still has the trace on it i don't want to be like is there really no one in the order like where is madame pumphrey where is and- poppy Right. We need a poppy right. in the order. Right. We need somebody. Who can and I help. Thought, like, and I thought it would every, be Molly. Because we have. I in, thought it would be Molly. But in that's the sixth book, probably... she said that she has a book for like remedy, home remedies for injuries. Remember, she's trying to get the black eye off of Hermione. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. like, it just won't budge. Like, great. So get that out. Or like, I don't know, get a cloth and wipe up the blood. Molly. Molly. Anyway. Do something. Yeah. Don't just pet him. That <laughs> was weird. She's petting him. Um. So now Bill comes in and informs the room that Mad Eye died after Mundungus booked it. Oh, we jumped over the glorious sibling banter, though. <laughs> All right, go for you. Where he's like saint like. All right. <laughs> How are you feeling? This moment of like, nobody calls him Georgie. Mm-hmm. And so this moment that Fred comes in and he's like, How you feeling, Georgie? It's like, Oh, oh. I hate this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, leaving. You know, this George. It, you know, George is true to himself and he has this horrible joke about I'm feeling saint-like. 
I'm holy. <laughs> and then this bit, but just again, this banter back and forth of like, that's pathetic. You have the whole world of whole related humor mm-hmm. and you go with holy. <laughs> that's it is beautiful. Cute. It that's is good. I, I like that. Mo- and that is, it's not word for word from the book, but it is taken pretty closely from the book there. Yeah. And the twins grew on me over the, at the initial time that we met them in the movies. I'm like, I just kind of found them annoying, but like their delivery was stilted. And I feel like this movie, they really like, and, the and they're not one. talking in unison. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. Maybe that's what it is. They finally should have like some personality to each of them. Like when we forgot about do the polyjuice, polyjuice potion, he's like, tastes like goblin piss. A lot of experience with that, Mad-Eye just trying to ease yeah. the tension <laughs> i was like all right that's actually a well delivered well deli- they grew on me I, I liked them so yeah this was a nice intimate moment you're right but then when bill tells the room that mad i died and everybody just kind of looks sad i'm like Merp. I, yeah it fell flat right yeah like i liked the the weight the, the gravity of that completely falls flat i liked in the book when i did the fire whiskey shots Oh yeah, they drink a toast to him, don't they? Yeah, and that kind of fortifies Harry's decision that like we get, you know, I don't know. I like that better. That felt more like an ode to him. We kind of never mentioned him again. We nope. we get the. We're gonna talk about how they go back to try and find him, right? We get the eye, but we never bury it, right? Actually, does he even take the eye? I don't think so. It's just kind of an Easter egg. Yeah, you could easily overlook it and not realize that it's meant to nice. be Mad Eyes. Yeah. Lost opportunity. So the next scene we have is uh, Ron and Harry asleep, and we get the scene I was talking about. Oh, oh, where? Okay, Harry's having his flashback dream of like prior events leading up to where we are now. I said this <sighs> is where it would have made sense to put the Dumbledore falling flashback. True. Take it from that weird interstitial. Why do we put it there at the front? Put it but here. But also, like, are we still doing the movie five dream sequence thing? Can we just <laughs> let it die? This one I liked better because at least it was scenes explaining where we are. It wasn't just, um, what was it, Voldemort in front of weather? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Those were so fucking pointless. All right. But yeah, we're doing the dream thing to like reinform the audience. Like, hey, this, this is what happened. But I just don't feel like we've already kind of kicked it through this movie. Why are we doing this? Why are we stopping now to flashback? But anyway, and now um, I said this is just flashback showing us what we should know by now about Horcruxes and then morphs into a vision of Voldemort chewing out Ollivander. That's kind of it. Um, Harry wakes up and creeps out of the burrow and is followed by Ron, who gives him an ego check. There's more at play here than just him. (laughs) Right. Can we just acknowledge that like he doesn't realize that Ron is following him? Like he'll do super well on his own, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You already did. You already snuck up on you. You already did. Yeah, you're dumb. I mean, also though, like props to the writers for giving Ron this really insightful moment Thank when you. he does do this ego check. It's like, oh, Thank you. Ron has a brain and a personality. And his point here is so poignant of like, it's this good. isn't about you. You think we did this for you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is not about you. This is this so is... much bigger than you, you arrogant little fuck. <laughs> yes. I, I loved this moment. I loved it. And I loved um, him saying, like, uh, and not without Hermione or like not with Hermione. He's like, we wouldn't last two days. <laughs> like, don't tell her I said that. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell her I said that. <laughs> that was so cute. That was so like, yes, this is an established trio. Like you can't break up the trio. And one of them is actually insightful and smart. Except <laughs> he mentions like the wedding. You got to stay for the wedding and Harry being the emo. I don't care about the wedding. Also not about you. 
Um, so, but then Ron, as they're walking back in, resumes his usual role of just asking questions about the plot. So we were so close, so close, yep. so close to letting him be a fucking character. Instead, it's, it's the Hawkeyes. Do you think he feels it? Where are they? I'm like, that's all we do for poor Ron. Just ask questions. If I can defend him for just a moment, I will say he is very much in the dark at this point. True. He thinks that there is a bigger plan, which I mean, we don't find this out until later when he's, you know, he has his little whatever. Fit, yeah. Um, but at this point, he thinks that Harry has some master plan that he hasn't shared yet. Mm. And spoiler alert, Harry does not. He has no plan. Like no. him leaving in this moment was the dumbest thing that could have happened. Like how fucking stupid do you have to be like, you still have the trace on you. And oh, yeah. you're going to go off on your own? Yeah. After we just we risked know, life and death to get here. Yeah. Like, what were you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what was your plan there, buddy? Anyway. So, yeah, they haven't had time to really discuss anything. So it does make sense that he's asking questions. I'll give you that. Um, next, we're on to the morning of Bill and Fleur's wedding. <laughs> I, just wrote, I just love the borough so fucking much. Okay. So now we try to discuss this in a, in a different episode. So this, you think this is the rebuilt borough? I do. Okay. One, um, I refuse to believe that Molly Weasley left dirty dishes on the table. <laughs> like it, Harry walks into the kitchen and it's like everyone has eaten, had breakfast without him. And there are just like plates and breakfast leftovers sitting around the table. No, no, ma'am. That is not my girl's kitchen. Mm-hmm. I, anyway, uh, the stupid detail. But does the does it, like this is not the kitchen that we were introduced to in the okay. second film? And maybe that's just it. I don't know. I just like so, the aesthetic of the burrow so it, much now. Oh God! I was gonna say the opposite. It feels Doctor Susie. Okay. Like they took it that. from it. It went from being like a rustic farmhouse that wizards happen to live in to this like like Kitchy. everything is weirdly shaped and proportioned and like. Uh, it had it somehow had to have like every bit of it had to have some kind of whimsy and it's like no they just they live in a fucking house like why did why did it have to i don't know it felt like we went diagon alley on it okay like one of the things that i never liked about diagon alley in the films is gringotts and how it's like okay awkward asymmetrical as it's going up i'm like no it's just a fucking bank yeah like why does it have to Ah, okay. So you think it's over the top? I think it's over the top. Okay. Because now it's an attraction that we can go see at Harry Potter's Wizarding World or whatever. Okay. It does feel like that. I'll give you that. But I also just was like, oh, everything's so clean and chunky. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe that is the rebuild post-fire. They got an an upgrade. Maybe they (laughs) had insurance. No, this is definitely, yeah, yeah, maybe they had insurance on the borough. I love that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. This feels like the rebuild. Definitely though. not. It's definitely not the kitchen that we saw five years ago, whatever, six years ago. You know what? And I'm going to say this too. So if we did burn down the burrow for no reason in movie six, why don't we rebuild it like a little bit better? Why don't we rebuild it more like a house? Not with the No, that would be madness. The other thing that I noticed here is that over the table in the kitchen, um, there is a gas light fixture. What? Yeah. 
like gas lamps that like it comes down from the ceiling. It has two t- tubes that like come apart, like gas, like gas would flow through, like you would uh-huh. see in an early 20th century home, late 18th century home, I guess. Um, and then two gas lamps that are oh. hanging over the table. And I have never clocked a gas lamp in the borough before, Miss that <laughs> but they entirely. are suddenly everywhere. I have a couple of more, a couple more of them that I will point out uh, as we finish this chunk. Cause I was I like, gotcha. huh. Huh. interesting huh. <laughs> anyway okay 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 all right so we're, we're in the redone borough um harry's looking oh yeah so you're talking about the breakfast table harry's looking over the daily prophet there for um dumbledore's dark secrets revealed and another look at lps doge dodge however you say his last name um because we're going to meet him soon i said question do we ever even find out what's in rita's book i know we see it later and like hermione explains gellert grindelwald kind of but do we actually ever? No, we don't really get the excerpts from the book. Mm-mm. We They're get not the... addressed. I think we see the book at Bethilda's, and that's where we get it from. Yes. Yep. Hermione takes it from Bethilda's. But and she doesn't read. She like... finds the Deathly Hollow symbol in it. Right, but I think that's we don't discuss like Gellert and we don't discuss Dumbledore's... the letters back and forth. No, no, okay. no, no, no. So I just this time I was like. So we announce that there's going to be a book coming out, but we don't really just, okay. So it's again, like a half-assed <laughs> effort that we made of like, yeah, so it's kind of here. Book. It's kind of not. Okay. But anyway, like I said, this was just for us to see Alpheus Doge again, to know that he's going to be coming up. Cause we already saw him though earlier. That's what kind of killed me about this. When Harry or when Hermione was first looking at the paper, we see like something like Dumbledore's obituary or something and a little picture. You, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I think I called it a eulogy, but yes, his obituary yes. Well, would, yeah, is either more way. appropriate. Well, Harry he puts wrote it, it in his knapsack. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then now we see it. I don't know. We're just like repeating, <laughs> like we're going to meet this guy. All right. We got it. Um, anyway, here comes <laughs> such an asshole. Here comes cardboard Ginny asking Harry to <laughs> zip her up. Um, Miss, did you just walk down to the kitchen half naked and without a bra? Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to mention the bra thing because maybe she just got a new one, but also. Like, yes. Okay. I get it. She's a 15 or 16 year old girl. She probably doesn't, but. But also you just walking around backless. Like, okay. Like. Uh, comfy. Okay. Um, <laughs> yep. Will you? I said, followed by more awkward standing kissing. I just. <laughs> yeah. This, I mean, the whole bit is weirdly intimate for people who have only like two people who have only kissed like Mm. the way he approaches her and the care with which he actually zips her up yeah feels so intimate like it feels like it's something that he has done before and it's like uh, as far as we know y'all haven't fucked yet but no and then do we even see them really date in six no not really just make out a little bit (laughs) yeah so then but it was interesting when they were doing the polyjuice potion ron did say i knew Ginny was lying about that tattoo yeah so assuming she's seen harry in some state of undress so uh yeah it felt a little felt a little well, horny but still stiff yeah okay we are children uh so yep. i said i really actually have never noticed actually so george slinking in brushing his teeth or whatever I've literally never noticed this. And then he takes the toothbrush and sticks it in and his ear. Puts hole. it in his ear. Yeah. It's like gross, but funny, actually. But funny. Very apropos. Yeah. Uh, 
I do have a bit of, (laughs) (laughs) I do take a little bit of an issue with this conversation because suddenly Harry is like fully in favor of the wedding that like 12 hours ago, he said, I don't care about any wedding. And now he's like, maybe that's the reason to have the wedding. It's like, bitch, make up your damn mind. (laughs) Fuck your bard. You're right. Now I support this. This is why this is a symbol of hope. I'm like, bet you didn't care. 12 hours. You were about to leave. You're about to leave everybody to die behind you, dick. Anyway, Harry has no real true personality. He ebbs and flows from being brash and then He's the a most hormonal teenager. Man. Yeah, true. Um, so now we're outside with all the men helping to raise the wedding tent using magic. I've never noticed Hagrid. With his um, his little umbrella umbrella yeah, wand, I'm like, oh shit! I don't think I've ever noticed him in it. Um, they're raising the wedding tent using magic, and then Rufus Grimjower just strolls up. I said, question: <laughs> um, d- Didn't the burrow have protections, and why could I was? Just- that's my exact note. I was like, how is he able to just walk up given all the protections the house has? And yeah. honestly, I've thought that about the wedding as well. Like, how uh, are they hosting a wedding at the burrow? But like, it's supposed to be on like under the Fidelius charm, but suddenly. Yeah. A hundred wedding guests know exactly where it is. Strolling up, it's fine. Interesting. Uh, so next we see Rufus inside with Harry, Ron, and Hermione, which I thought this was very point. I don't know. This doesn't matter, but the boys are like half ready for the wedding already, and Hermione's totally not. <laughs> I was like, ah, we're doing a reveal of Hermione's dress later. A That's reveal. <laughs> that was yes. smart. That was smart. Um, that was also, smart. they're sitting on the couch. There's a gas lamp behind them, <laughs> and then. They're yeah. fucking everywhere now. Yeah, shit. Now that you see them, they're uh, everywhere. Not anyway, to see that. Good job. Uh, I also, <laughs> I mean, on that in that same vein, there are a whole bunch of cards on that shelf behind them that are like congratulations cards to Bill and Fleur. Cute little details. Yeah. Except for who the fuck made the Bill and Fleur banner? Yeah, that was ugly. It looks insane. Looks like a little kid. Anyway, um, so he's sitting with a three o the three o. He's sitting with three of them. And he pulls out Albus, Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore's will. Uh, he gives Ron the Deluminator, which he demos by making all the gas lamp lights go out in the room. There's suddenly a gas light home. And here's the thing, too. It's the morning. Why are these lamps yeah, on? Yeah, why are there gas lamps on? It's kind of bright in there. And yeah, it's but a, it's a, anyway. It's a demonstration. Um, Hermione gets a great copy of Tales of Beetle the Bard. That's a cute little moment of Ron trying to explain to them, like, you guys don't know what this is? They're like nursery tales. <laughs> Babbity rabbity in the pop, whatever. Something stump, right? Cackling uh, stump. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cute little The one. wizard in the hopping pot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys. Uh, and then the last item. Oh, and then so Harry gets handed the first niche he captured, handed very carefully to him while Scrimjower. And I, I've noticed Hermione watches it very closely too. I was just going to say, I really enjoyed watching Hermione as Harry is about to grab the snitch. Like, yeah. It's a very acting is reacting moment. Yes, I was proud of her. Um, and the last item was supposed to be the sword of Godric Gryffindor, but the ministry won't give it and can't give it because it's missing. He just wraps up this will reading with, you can't fight this war by yourself. He's too strong. You can tell to go back to when Harry's handed the snitch, you can tell that Scrimgeour is expecting something to happen as well. True. And the fact that he had it wrapped up yeah. in, a, in a cloth and he just handed everything else to everybody else. Yeah. 
good- yeah, so it's a it's a good Easter egg for anyone who knows what's happening here. Right. But I really wish that we had gotten Hermione's takedown, like regarding magical law and oh, this being I the statute that. of limitations in terms of like they can only keep it for 30 days, and that's why it's taken this long for them to give it to them. And it's like, oh yes. Because it's a moment of Hermione being a fucking boss and yep. being like, yeah, I know, I know the law here. too. <laughs> like, yeah, bitch. Are you looking into studying law? No, I want to do something useful with my life. Like, yes. <laughs> Love that line. Oh shit, you're right. Ugh. Anyway, so that's where this one ends. Is just that final sad line from Scrimjower. We never get the Scrimjower trying to um, recruit Harry. Yeah, trying to get him on the side of the ministry. and That never happens, right? Sure doesn't. Okay. That actually goes back to Half Blood Prince. I think doesn't yes. he show up with Percy at yes, um, for like uh, Weasley Christmas? Yeah, something yes. like that. Yep. Yeah, he tries to recruit him for a bit, and we just don't even bother. But all right, again, I don't really need to see much more of Bill Nye. I'm sorry. Um. So anyway, that's uh, this chunk for this week. Can I ask you a couple questions? Yeah. What would you keep, like a toothbrush in your ear? <laughs> Speaking of, uh, I'm going to keep the twin banter. Um, They're a little back and forth where he's like, hey, Georgie, how you feeling? And it's like, oh, I like that. That feels real. And that feels like like you said, I think uh, for the first time we get to see them as human beings and not just a monolith, like Mm -hmm. not only the Weasley monolith, but the twin monolith. Yeah. They're double monolith. (laughs) (laughs) the unison talkers yeah um obviously and i know you're mad about it but i kind of still like the aesthetic of the burrow (laughs) like here's what i was excited about on the on the kitchen table they had like some really cool utensils the little toast holder and the silverware looked fun i don't know i like chunky you have a thing about silverware (laughs) yes i think i I think i mentioned it quite (laughs) oh wait oh shit all the way back to (laughs) Where are they serving utensils for this? Yeah. Room? <laughs> yeah, you have a, you have a thing for silverware. Good for you. I think I, I'm craving fun silverware for my life. Okay, that's something I have to make happen for myself. You, yeah. uh, next question. <laughs> um, what would you get rid of from this chunk? Like lights into a deluminator. Ugh, the fucking movie five dream sequence. Let it die, please. <sighs> or, yeah, we morphed it into a vision, but like, I feel like the vision should have been like coming and going in his dream to show us that he's he's still dreaming about flashbacks but new visions are coming just slap it at the end i don't know no we didn't need it at all i don't think and he doesn't actually get this vision he doesn't know that voldemort has olivander they assume that voldemort has olivander because he disappeared but poor olivander he's been missing for a minute yeah that sucks glad he lived um i'm trying to think what i get rid of Oh, awkward kissing. I never need it. Oh, yeah, agreed. I never need it. The stand kiss. Like, it's it always feels icky. I don't feel good about it. I don't like it. Yeah, anyway. agreed, 100%. Uh, I have a surprise for you. Yeah? I maybe did something like falling down a rabbit hole, and I have probably <laughs> an answerable question for you. <laughs> you? No. Okay, no, I want to hear it. Let's go. Um, so... I'm just trying to like gauge for myself to what extent, if any, wizards use electricity. So we learn in the books 
that magic interferes with the function of electricity, especially things like radio signals. Uh, and we learned this uh, in movie four, or book four, excuse me. Uh, and even before that, but specifically when they're talking about bugging rooms, uh, mm, the lead okay. up to discovering Rita Skeeter, like no, you know, with such high concentrations of magic, hundreds of wizards in one place, uh, electronic devices don't work properly. But all the like gas lighting in the burrow suddenly got me thinking like, do wizards just like not use electricity at all? Does electricity interfere with magic as well? Um, or is it really just that magic interferes with electricity so much that these devices are rendered useless? Like we know that mm -hmm. wizards have their own form of radios yeah. That actually becomes a huge part of the seventh book, not so much the seventh movie, but a huge part of the seventh book. Um, so like, what, what, what's, what's going on here? And when I started thinking about it and really thinking about the franchise, uh, the larger wizarding world, I think it really depends on the time and the place. Okay. And what makes me go there is that Fantastic Beasts is set in the 1920s. In America, mm -hmm. everywhere in New York that Newt goes, like uh, Queenie and Tina's apartment, uh, Makuza, like all of these places are using electricity, light bulbs. And like it does make sense. Queenie and Tina are living in a boarding house, so like they aren't choosing what the lighting fixtures are. Makuza um, is in this giant office building um, that would have been built having all the modern fixtures. And in the 1920s, that absolutely would have included electricity. And so it makes sense that we would have them in those places. Now, in this specific example in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, we are in an old farmhouse mm -hmm. that has been added to, perhaps renovated after a fire. Um, I, I guess I would get that it maybe doesn't have electricity even running to it. Like I, there are enough outbuildings in rural Wisconsin where I grew up that <laughs> Yeah, no, there's no electricity in this in this building. Why would there be? There never it never would have been here. So I think it is probably unanswerable. And I think it is probably largely situational in that like some wizards are gonna just not worry about having it in their home because they don't need it. They don't really need it, yeah. And in other hmm. situations, it's important to blend in and use it in a way that quote unquote normal people or nomadges would use it. But I just want to point out you're saying it wrong. It's echoltricity. Your point. <laughs> Echol How dare you? <laughs> According to Arthur. But yeah. Right. I mean, he. I, He's you the know, biggest one that makes 80 years of. later doesn't like can, doesn't even pr pronounce it correctly. He collects yeah. plugs. Yeah. And so like, okay, yeah, there's no electricity at their house. No. But are you really saying that like you go out into the world, you go to work at the Ministry of Magic every day, you never encounter or you don't encounter electricity enough anywhere yeah. in your life to even like know what it's called like know how to pronounce it correctly or how to use it he even collects batteries yeah and harry gives him like wires for christmas it's it's, so it's weird something that fascinates it feels... him but why would it fascinate him if it was still you know if it's actually used in the world and why huh. would they reject it like so aggressively just because you don't need it. Like there are plenty of things I don't need. I don't need a cell phone that has the world's, you know, depth mm -hmm. of information at my fingertips at all times, but it's not to have it. <laughs> Correct. 
just because I can do like I am capable of making coffee one way that doesn't mean that I don't want a coffee maker that I can program to do it the same way every day so that I don't have to get up and start it so I think we're saying why are some wizards Amish this technology (laughs) exists why does it appear to be so like aggressively rejected in some scenarios and willingly embraced in others I guess I don't know because I even think of like him using the underground Arthur using the underground in book in movie five and he's like Mm -hmm. fascinated by that so it exists yeah huh like it's just it's I don't want to call it a plot hole but it's something that's just really out there in the books as well the idea that it's just so well yeah it's this idea that it is such a foreign concept to them despite it being wildly prevalent in the worlds in which they exist yeah. you know the wizarding world and the met and the muggle world are in fact the same world correct <laughs> huh well and then i was even thinking about like well why don't they use a flashlight when they're camping oh because they have wands they have wands they have wands <laughs> like huh yeah weird thing to ponder Oh, that is no real answer for this probably unanswerable <laughs> question, but here we are. That is a whole anyway, uh, thanks for joining us for episode three. Make sure you go out and follow us on Instagram, on TikTok, on the YouTube. Uh, go ahead and submit your probably unanswerable question so it's not just my inane ramblings. Please be sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. And we'll see you here next week. I'll see you next week. Okay, let's bye. Bye.